Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office equipment solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.34 in Edmonton. I literally have uh, hundreds of texts that have come in. The question again, this based upon the news from James Myrtle in the Athletic Today about Zach Hyman. Uh, that it's not necessarily heading down a positive path for the Maple Leafs. Forget the money. Which player would you rather have? Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall, Zach Hyman, or D other? And be realistic. Like, you know, somebody said Ovechkin. Well, that's that's not going to happen. So 780-496-0063. That is our Ashley Fine Floors text line. We are going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino Hotline. Our Oilers Now headliner today is brought to you by Wilhawk Beef Jerky. It just might be the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Brian Lott from the NHL Network joins us. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Bob. How are you? Good. So, uh, since you've actually been in the chair before as an NHL GM... Uh, you've also represented players. You started Octagon's agency. I'm going to throw the question your way. Hyman, Hall, or Nugent Hopkins? If you were GM of the Edmonton Oilers, which one of those three um, would make the most sense? I only heard the last two, Hall and Nugent Hopkins. Who was the first player you said? Sorry, Zach Hyman. Ah, okay. Boy, you're making it tough on me today. Um it would come down to price and term. Yep. There would be an order for those three players. And if you surveyed five of the Oilers staff, they'd probably have five different orders. Imagine that. <laughs> but it's possible mathematically. For me, I think Zach Hyman would be an incredible pickup for them. However, there's the familiarity with Ryan Eugene Hopkins and his availability to fill different roles. He's done it pretty seamlessly. He's certainly done it uh, selflessly. Taylor Hall, however, would probably be my best player out of the group. Now, I'd have to match that up with term and price, though. And that is a very, those are very sensitive issues for the Edmonton Oilers and the position that they're still in, although they're, they're coming to better days, that's for sure, from a salary cap position. Brian, how does this work? Uh, so Zach Hyman is out there, and Taylor Hall, and we've heard reports out of Boston that maybe something's going to happen there. Ryan Nugent Hopkins represented by the man. I think you hired Rick Vallette with Octagon, if I'm not mistaken. Does does yeah. does, the, does the agent build a relationship and a rapport with the general manager and say, you know, uh, hey, let's have a conversation. Theoretically, hypothetically, my guy might be available. Or conversely, does the agency get approached by the, the, the uh, you know, general manager and, and the GM says, hypothetically, if your guy were to go to free agency, how do, in your experience, how does that work? In my experience, I definitely would let people know who the players were that I had that were going to potentially be free agents, and you choose your words carefully. There's nothing wrong with that. But I also definitely was contacted at times by team's general managers that wanted to let me know that they had certain positional needs 
And if I represented any players that could fill those needs, they'd be very interested in them. And it was always kind of a joke that way. You're not actually saying, oh, okay, if you represent Taylor Hall and you're Ken Holland, you're not saying, oh, okay, you have a client that's the left wing. We have interest in him. How much? It doesn't go that far. And I think people are pretty good about it, especially in today's day and age. Uh, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I think it was a lot looser. Technology wasn't nearly as good. Um, you know, there's been cases where text messages, emails, things like that, uh, they can be brought forward. So it, it's a much more slippery slope. I think for the most part, um, teams are very good about it. But, yes, those types of hints do happen out there in the marketplace. Are you surprised the Ryan Nugent Hopkins thing isn't done? I'm not overly surprised. You know, I think it's a fluid equation in terms of, you know, where the cap salary cap is headed, where it's at exactly. You know, this pandemic has literally been not, you know, month to month or week to week or day to day, but almost minute to minute. And a lot of organizations are still have questions. I think everybody, certainly in the United States, as you see Vegas and Tampa, and we'll see it in New York, although their building's not really that large, but it will be full, that people are feeling a lot better about the future. We're getting there. Um, but there's still going to be a residual effect from some of the decisions that were made previously in terms of players coming back to play and escrow and prepayments. There's just a lot to unpack. It's, it's probably white noise to fans, but there's a business aspect that is still somewhat in flux. It's going to create a lot of caution and it's going to be restrictive for some guys. And I know for a fact in talking to agents and teams, there are players that are somewhat struggling with that. They don't know their value yet, but uh, they're not getting indications that they're headed to a certain range. I believe that there will be exceptions still, but very few of them. Alex Petrangelo was an exception when he went to Vegas, obviously. Guys like that. Seth Jones, in my opinion, would be a guy that people would consider an exception. He's not a free agent this summer, obviously, but next year. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Uh, you mentioned a bit about escrow, because I think there was this perception. Uh, by the way, just for the listeners, Zach Hyman is represented by Todd Reynolds. Rick Vallette represents Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And Taylor Hall is represented by Darren Ferris. So that's just if you're wondering who the agents are. Um, when Edmonton did the Athanasio deal, it was my belief, well, you know what, uh, okay, two second-round picks, that was a lot to give up. Uh, but they'll just qualify Athanasiu because we're going to be at an $85 million cap. The trade was made before the pandemic fully grasped, or let's rephrase that, before everybody fully grasped the pandemic. But was I wrong to assume that the cap was going to climb from about 81 to $85 million? Uh, Brian, were there concerns over other factors like escrow that might limit that inflator? Yes. If you and I had had a conversation on where we believe the salary cap was headed, I think that uh, I might have been able to convince you that you were wrong to to think that. There was a number of years when, you know, we just kept going forward 
on the basis, and I know exactly the history of this. It used to be Bob Goodnow screaming that a rising tide raises all ships. And every that was used specifically in regard to you want to push the salary cap as large as you can every year, put as much money into the system because that's how free agents get paid, and that keeps moving things forward. Well, obviously, as we've gotten into the salary cap world and things started to flatten out, automatically increasing the salary cap by 5% as it drove the salary cap to an area where escrow was getting to the teens. And it took longer than I thought, but for years, my thesis was that players are going to wake up one day and say, we don't want to do this anymore for 10, 11, 12, 13, 14% loss to our salary. Therefore, we will no longer agree to the automatic 5% increase in the salary cap every year. And that's why I was not bullish on the future for it. That has come to bear now. Um, It's going to be probably another two years, maybe three. But then I do think you'll start to see the salary cap recline. Many teams have been off on their projections of this. The Chicago Blackhawks were the biggest ones way back when, when they signed Kane and Caves. But people continue to make the same mistakes, and it always kind of blew me away. That's just the world we're living in now. Those are the facts now. It's easy to recount it. But that is how I felt three years ago still. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Taze and Kane at 10.5 each combined $21 million. The Oilers can't argue with how it worked out with McDavid and Dreisaitl. They are at a combined $21 million. They've been the top two scorers in the league the last two years. They got those guys right in their wheelhouse, and they produced. Couldn't have worked out. I mean, for all the criticism of Pete Chiarelli, he got lucky. I think, Brian, you would admit that McDavid took a hometown discount. He did. He could have gotten the max. Many would argue Dreisaitl was overpaid. A lot of the analytics guys did, except he lived up to the deal. Yeah, and, and the real truth to the story of what happened there, and I know for a fact that there were conversations between certainly the general manager, Octagon, the general manager, and McDavid's camp, and those two contracts were always going to be tied together. If Connor had come in lower, Leon would have come in lower. And yet I feel like Connor didn't have to come in even at the number he did, but he agreed to, which was really smart in his part, for the betterment of trying to build a winning team. There's been other issues that have, I think, prevented the Oilers from moving forward in the salary cap, but we're coming out of that period now, and the story is still yet to be written. So that, that one to me was fascinating. Um, in hindsight, you would have loved to have gotten Connor at that 10, somewhere between 10-6 and 11-5 range. Yep. That would have put him as the highest paid player at that time. That would have dropped Dreisaitl down conversely, maybe to 8 or below. It's just every penny counts at the end of the day. You know, guys like Connor and Leon, they're going to make a hundred plus million dollars playing hockey. At some point, you got to ask yourself, how many hamburgers can I eat? I just want to be a winner in this league. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest players in the history of this game, or just one of the hundred greatest. And in order to do that, you need to win Stanley Cups. All right. So, Brian, we know the the managers are not supposed to collude in theory on the contracts. But we also know the agents are all in contact with each other. <laughs> and many have suggested the agencies have 
the agents have won most of the, uh, you know, most of the negotiations. Is there pressure on a guy like Rick Vallette with Octagon? He's got other partners in Octagon. I think did Mike Liuta end up getting dry settled? By the way, I'm just trying to recall how that all. I'm pretty sure Liuta ended up getting him. Yeah, Alan Walsh uh, is with Octagon. How much pressure is on the agent, and how much competitive intel is gathered and gleaned from other agents to ensure that they get the most for the client? Yeah, it, it is illegal for the teams to collude. It's not so illegal for the agencies to conclude, collude. And yet it, the agencies are not as friendly as people think, unfortunately. The NHLPA is, you know, the go-between for dissemination of information. But um, Mike Lee does represent Dreisaitl as well as Ranton and Inline A. Um, a number of top European players, Octagon represents them. Uh those guys, I, I don't necessarily think it's – they want to do great for every client they have. Everybody does. Um, it is a highly pressurized world, and yet I, I feel like it's changing a little bit as the numbers get bigger where there's not necessarily as much pressure. You want to put your guy, particularly the veterans, in places where they can win um, consistently and really enjoy – playing in the National Hockey League. There's nothing funner than playing and winning. Everybody in Edmonton that over 45 should know that because they witnessed that. <laughs> yep. Yeah, no question about it. We're joined by Brian Lawton from the NHL Network. Bob Stoffer with you on orders now. Because Edmonton is not Tampa Bay or Miami or Vegas or Dallas, no state, you know, there's no state taxes in those three states. Great weather, you know, a lot, real attractive places to play. Does that reinforce even further that the Oilers need to take a page out of the Winnipeg Jets book and become masters of drafting and developing their own play? I mean, the Jets have got a fifth or sixth round uh, pick and goal. It's one of the five best goalies in the world. You know, they uh, they hit on guys like Appleton, Lowry after rounds. You know, one, I think they got Lowry in round three. Appleton's a fifth or sixth round pick. Cops a fourth round pick. Is that the model Edmonton has to kind of uh, to follow and excel at? I think that every team that's not where they're at needs to recognize that there's advantages that you can utilize to your benefit. It's not the teams. The GMs know it. The owners need to recognize that the low-hanging fruit to improve your organization is still through people. You need to have good people. Look what Florida did last year. Their team was their team. They brought in Bill Zito as a general manager. He hired Rick Dudley, Paul Fenton. Um, they hired a great analytics person in Sonny Metta, and they were able to leap forward. That's what these teams need to recognize. Draft and develop, absolutely. It's a long-term plan. It has to be there for everybody. It's, it's specifically driven forward by the people you have. The people that work off the ice, they are not subject to the salary cap. And it still blows me away that a lot of teams don't get this. Um, and that's why they're continuing uh, not to move forward the way that maybe their fan bases would like or their ownership would like. You look what happened in Buffalo. That's a really light organization on people that are not on ice staff. Uh, there is a correlation there, and at some point it's going to rise up. It may take another year or two or three, but I think eventually you're going to see a massive term there. You need good people that 
understand how the league works, that understand how to find hockey players, that understand the overall picture business of it. Uh, and the stronger you make your staff, the greater you will do. There is no longer one genius and 10,000 idiots per organization. It just doesn't work that way anymore. Did you find Alwyn Powers' comments about returning to school interesting? And if you were Buffalo, would you be concerned by that comment? A couple of things to unpack there. First off, in terms of Owen Power, who I think is clearly the number one pick. I'm doing the draft again for the NHL. I've obviously been on top of it. He is number one for me, and there's some really other good players. I think, as a matter of fact, I think there's up to five really good, good players in this draft. So when Owen Power comes out and says that, because of what's happened in Buffalo, it would make me just a little bit uncomfortable. They're probably going to trade Jack Eichel. It doesn't appear to be players have had some really harsh things to say about being there. They've had a lack of things to say about where they're going to be in their future. Those things do not bode well for that organization. Owen Power is going to be drafted out of the NCAA. He has different treatment than junior players. Yep. Um, it, it could, I could see how that would make them uncomfortable. I really, truly could. And yet, in terms of his development as a guy that started when he was essentially what Owen's age would be, I actually think I was younger, um, there is nothing wrong, particularly with the defenseman going back and playing another year. I mean, Edmonton fans are fully versed on the skills of a guy like Quinn Hughes, who played his sophomore season. Now, Quinn was the seventh pick yeah it's a little bit different but there is nothing wrong with him going back it's just because of the circumstances with buffalo selecting first overall it can be just a little bit unnerving and that can't bode well for buffalo but if i were them i wouldn't care i'd still draft him first overall and i would improve my organization and make it a place where players want to come play Final question for the NHL Network's Brian Lawton, who started up Octagon's player agency, was later the GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. As a manager, would you ever have a hesitation taking a goaltender in the first round of the NHL draft? You know, you don't take centers in the NFL in the first round. Uh, These days, maybe safeties don't go higher than 6th, 7th, or 8th. Running backs have dropped off in value in the NFL. Uh, we haven't had a goaltender selected out of major junior in Canada in the first round since Malcolm Subban in 2012. Lucas Wallstadt and, or no, Jesper, Jesper Wallstadt and uh, Sebastian Coase of the Edmonton Oil Kings, those players both represented by Edmonton's Jerry Johansson. A lot of people have them in the top 20. Would you hesitate uh, making a, a pick in that range for a guardian? Top 10, yes. I would probably look to move down because I understand the market and believe that other people struggle with taking goalies in the top 10, but every circumstance is unique. But, yes, I would consider at least Edmonton's Oil Kings goalie I'm talking about in the top 20, 100%. I wouldn't be comfortable if it was before 10, but certainly in that 11 to 20 range, that's an absolute go, in my opinion. I think he's that good. I think he's got that kind of potential, and I do think he will be selected by somebody in that range. Awesome stuff, Brian. Love having you on the show. Thanks for giving us a little bit of an education on how it all works. My pleasure, Bob. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Uh, 
<laughs> this text comes in from Stephen in BC. One genius and 10,000 idiots. Total a week. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, it was an interesting perspective. Everybody, you know, bottom line is my experience, albeit to brief in life, and hopefully it's going to be much longer, is, uh, you know what, I, I, I'm rarely the smartest guy in the room. And uh, I've come to the realization that there's lots of other uh, smart people out there. I know even in my own household, let's see, we have, uh, I have two kids, a wife, um, three cats and a dog. So it's eight uh, beans in the household. I might come in eighth out of eighth on that front. We'll take a quick time out. It's 1254 at Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 12.55 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan S. Scott with you. Guests on the show receive gift certificates to Bruce Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal's an occasion at Bruce Chris Steakhouse. Open. Hey, it's open. Back up and at them. No question. Tell them Oilers now sent you. Into the Oilers now injury report for James H. Brown Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters in injury law. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Trent Brown, Jim Brown, the gang at James H. Brown, they want you to stay safe and stay positive. Here is Brendan Escott. Jeff Petrie skating with a modified glove, I guess, to protect his right pinky and ring fingers. He's a possibility to suit up for Montreal tonight. Uh, Dominique Ducharme said that both John Merrill and Jake Evans could also be available. So is is, is it playoff smokescreen time, perhaps? But it seems like Petrie may be the closest of all of them. Vegas' Thomas Noshek, he's uh, dealing with an undisclosed injury. He's not played uh, since May 18th. And Jason Spezza just re-signed a one-year deal, $750,000 a year with the Maple Leafs. Elliot Friedman mentioning 30 points away from 1,000 in his NHL career. So he's at 970 career points. This will be his 20th pro season. It is 12.57 in Edmonton. Uh, Cactus Jack has texted the show. He's got his opinion on Brian Lawton, and it says this. Your best guess. Not even close. Brian Lawton is must-listen-to radio. Well, there's certainly some depth just given, you know, imagine you were number one overall pick in the NHL entry draft. You started off an agency that's now one of the top five agencies in the business. General manager in Tampa Bay has had multiple interviews in the last two or three years. Fit the right situation. And currently on uh, working on the NHL draft again. Uh, Blair says, Bob, can please, can we not compare the... Blair, you're kind of... You know, Blair, I'm starting to take this a little bit personally. Can uh, Bob, can we not compare the NFL draft to the NHL draft? None of the NFL players can shoot the pill. Still ridiculous from Blair, who's busted me for using the term shoot the pill. You know, that's, uh, that's actually kind of funny. Again, you can text us 780-496-0063. Uh, Bob, what would the Oilers need to send to Anaheim for Ricard Raquel? He'd be a, an awesome fit in the Oilers' top line left wing. I don't know. I think he's just got a year left in the deal. Maybe I'll have to, you know what? I'll, I'll do some digging. I haven't looked at that one. I just, somebody mentioned that. So I, I do believe he could be potentially out there. So maybe we'll do a little bit of digging on that front. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. And when we come back, one of the most polarizing guests we have every week on the show from the Cult of Hockey, David Stables. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.